Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101. I am your host, Rick Loiza. This is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. Now, how many of you remember when former Chicago Bulls general manager Jerry Krause famously said, players and coaches don't win championships, organizations win championships. If you watched the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary, then you are probably familiar with this quote since they spent almost half an episode talking about it and getting people's reaction to it. Michael Jordan's reaction to the quote was, I don't see any of those organization people taking any shots. Granted, Krause's quote was poorly worded, and Krause says he was misquoted. But Krause actually does have a point. Now, yes, it is the players who are out there scoring baskets and playing defense. And yes, it is the coaches who are strategizing and making timely substitutions and drawing up plays for specific situations. But any reasonable fan would agree that beyond the players and the coaches, there are others within a professional organization that make major contributions to winning. In the NBA, you have the general manager who hires the coaches, he also is responsible for making trades and drafting and signing new players. He works with the coaches to make sure they get players that fit into the team culture and who get along with each other personally and professionally. You also have other support staff like nutritionists, doctors, equipment managers, strength coaches, psychologists, and more. It is the job of these support staff people to help keep the players in peak condition both physically and mentally because if the players are not in peak condition, it could result in losses. And if you start having too many losses, people start losing their jobs. But there is one position that is going to be at the center of our story today. That position is the head trainer. The typical fan doesn't usually think about who the head trainer is, or even what they do. Most often, the only time you see the head trainer during a game is when a player is injured in some way. The trainer is the first one there attending to the player. The primary job of the training staff is to keep the players physically healthy and ready to play. This means attending to injuries when they happen, but more importantly, helping the players to avoid injury in the first place through proper strength training and stretching. You know how some basketball players are better than others? I mean, who wouldn't rather have Wilt Chamberlain on their team instead of Benoit Benjamin? Or Larry Bird? instead of Purvis Ellison. Of course you would. Or when it comes to your coach, who wouldn't rather have Pat Riley or Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich instead of Mike Dunleavy or Vinny Del Negro? I mean, no offense intended, but you hear what I'm saying. Again, of course you would. That's because some players and coaches are better than others and you want the best to be part of your team. 
Well, the same can be said for trainers. Some of them are simply better than others, and you want the best to be the trainer on your team, especially in a role where their main job is to keep the players physically healthy and available to play. So with that, let me introduce you to Gary Vitti, the former head trainer for the Los Angeles Lakers. Born in 1957, he was only 27 years old when he became the head trainer for the Lakers in 1984. And he held on to that job for 32 years until his retirement at the end of the 2016 season. He was responsible for helping prevent injuries. And if a player did get injured, it was Vidi who had to get them back on the court as quickly as possible. He worked with Kareem, Magic, Worthy, Kobe, Shaq, Gasol, McAdoo, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, and a whole bunch of other players during his time with the Lakers. Whenever a Lakers coach was coaching the All-Star game, Vidi would go along as the trainer for the Western Conference All-Stars. And even when a Lakers coach was not coaching the All-Star game, Vidi was still invited to be the trainer for the Western Conference All-Stars. The NBA knew how good he was, which is why they wanted him to take care of the All-Star players from the Western Conference. So I'm going to share a few short stories about Vidi that should help paint a picture of all the things that he did for the Lakers. In 1985, which was still his first year with the Lakers, they go to the finals against the Boston Celtics. The finals are played in June, of course, which can be very hot and humid in Boston. The Celtics would often turn up the heat in the visitors' locker room, making the room well over 105 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius. That was part of the home court advantage at the old Boston Garden. They would make the visiting team as uncomfortable as possible. Well, through a connection with the Los Angeles Raiders football team, Vidi was able to get his hands on two portable cooling units that he brought with them to Boston. Because of his initiative, he was able to keep the Lakers in a nice and cool environment as they dressed and prepared to take the court. That's just one of the things that separated Vidi from other trainers. He would also serve as the traveling secretary for the team. That means that he would arrange for the plane tickets and hotel rooms on the road. Now keep in mind that back in the 1980s, NBA teams still traveled commercial. That means that they rode on regular airplanes with regular passengers. You might be taking a flight from Chicago to New York and find yourself seated next to a player from the Knicks. It wasn't until the 1990s that teams began to charter flights for team personnel only. So in 1986, Maurice Lucas had joined the Lakers. While Lucas had a really great career by any reasonable measure, by the time he signed with the Lakers, he was a shadow of his former self. He came off the bench and averaged 22 minutes per game. On one of their first flights of the season, Vidi was handing out the boarding passes to the players to get on the flight. Now the team only paid for a few first class tickets and everyone else had to fly in coach. The first class tickets went to the stars of the team. In this case, that meant Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, and James Worthy. But Lucas had been in the NBA longer than either Magic or Worthy and demanded to be given a first-class seat because of his league seniority. Well, Vidi didn't give him a first-class seat, he made Lucas go sit and coach with the rest of the role players, because Vidi knew that you had to take care of the stars first. Even from a practical standpoint, who needs to have a comfortable flight more? Worthy 
or an aging Lucas. Vidi had no problem standing up to any player on the team if it helped the team in the long run. Now let's fast forward to 1988. The Lakers are trying to become the first team to repeat as champions in 19 years. Injuries due to fatigue were an issue all season. Everyone was experiencing nagging aches and pains. According to the coaching staff, Vidi had the season of his life and he did everything to keep those players as healthy as possible so that they could beat the Pistons in seven games in the finals that year. Pat Riley would beat the players down with absolutely grueling practices. And then Vidi had to work with the players to help them recover as quickly as possible so that they could perform in the games. If they had to give out a team MVP that season, it would have gone to Gary Vitti, not Magic Johnson. Now, let's fast forward a little bit more to 2011. General Manager Mitch Kupchak decided to completely clean house. He chose not to bring back any of the coaches or the support staff. That included Phil Jackson. Basically, everyone got fired, except for one person, Gary Vitti. And no one was surprised by that. He was so good at his job and so well liked by the players that Kupchak would have had a revolt in his hands if he had fired Vitti. Now, for the final story, I need to take you back to the beginning of the 1991-92 season. The Lakers had lost the NBA Finals the previous season to the Chicago Bulls. And now the new season was about to begin and the Lakers' goal was to make it back to the Finals for a rematch with Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Now something that most teams do is to take out a life insurance policy on their star players. And the Lakers were taking out a new policy on Magic Johnson. As part of that process, Magic had to go through an extensive physical, including a blood test. So while the blood is off at the lab being analyzed, the Lakers were in Utah to play a preseason game against the Jazz. Magic had been complaining of fatigue since the beginning of training camp and asked to sit out the rest of the preseason in order to prepare for the first regular season game. Vidi couldn't figure out what was wrong with Magic. He didn't show any of the normal symptoms of a flu or a cold. So where was this fatigue coming from? Then Magic gets a phone call from his doctor back in LA and the doctor is telling Magic that he needs to return to LA immediately. Not after the game, but at that very moment. He needs to leave the arena and take a taxi to the airport and grab the next flight to LA. Nobody knows what's going on. It is highly unusual for a player to be called home before a road game. Nobody in the Lakers staff knows why Magic is leaving. All they know is that his doctor called him home. Even Vidi was left out of the loop. But during the game that night, as he's attending to his normal duties for the Lakers, it hits him like a ton of bricks. Magic. The unexplainable fatigue. The life insurance policy. The blood test. Getting called home suddenly. Magic has HIV. The next day, he talked with Magic's doctor and said, you don't even have to say it. I've already figured it out. Because Vidi knew his players. He knew what they ate. He knew what they did. Where they hung out. He knew what activities they were involved in. Because all of it influences how a player's body responds to the rigors of the NBA. That's what the really great trainers do for their team. And Gary Vitti was one of the greatest. His career in the NBA ended on the same night as Kobe's. When Kobe had that 60-point night to end his playing career, it was also Vitti's last night with the Lakers. And thankfully, 
The Lakers recognized both men that night. Yes, Kobe got more of the spotlight, but Vidi was duly honored as well for a job well done over 32 years with the team. The hardcore Lakers fans know how important he was and they appreciated Vidi's contributions to eight Lakers championships. I mean, how many trainers do you know that get recognized when they are out on the town? Well, in LA, Vidi is often recognized. A little over 20 years ago, I was out shopping with my sister in Costa Mesa, California. We were at the Nike store at the Triangle Square Shopping Center. Now, the Nike store isn't there anymore, but as we were going in, there was a sign on the front door announcing that Gary Vidi was going to make a public appearance and sign autographs a few days later. Well, I was jealous because I was going to be in Chicago on the day of Vidi's appearance. I really wanted to meet him, but see, that's how popular he was. You could book him for an appearance and he would draw a crowd. Not too many other trainers can say that. So the next time you look at your favorite basketball team, think about all the people involved with the organization that contribute to victories in their own way. Those people that support the players and the coaches so that they can operate at their fullest capability night in and night out. Now, let's go back to that quote by Jerry Krause that we started this episode with. As I mentioned, Kraus claims that he was misquoted. According to him, the actual quote was, players and coaches alone don't win championships. Organizations win championships. And if he had been quoted that way, then he would have been perfectly correct, as much as it sounds weird and unpopular. So that's our story for this week. I'm glad that we could shine a light on those members of a basketball team that often get overlooked. Join us next week when we talk about the lovable losers, the Washington Generals. They have lost over 17,000 games to the Harlem Globetrotters, but they continue to suit up a couple of hundred times every year to play night after night. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go ahead and give us a rating and a review, and that will help others to find this podcast more easily. And check out our Facebook page. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts, as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. And don't forget to check out sportshistorynetwork.com for more information on my podcast and the rest of the podcasts on the network. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. 
Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.